imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. As a business owner, you're in sales, whether you think so or not. Every single day, you have to sell yourself as well as your products and services in order to grow your business. And every good salesperson I've ever encountered is driven. They have a strong work ethic and high energy level. They work harder and longer than their peers. And when the economy is poor, they're still out there. They're still out there pounding the pavement, making calls and taking action. And I know from my own experience that your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. You know, success is 90% mental. You can alter your life by altering your mind. And in tough economies, it may not be your fault for being down, but it certainly is your fault for not getting right back up. You have to be a believer in order to be an achiever. But perhaps most importantly, sales superstars that I've known in my experience are constantly working to become better. They take courses, they read books, they listen to audio tapes, and they inhale literally everything they can to improve. And that's why today we are so lucky to have with us Merit Khan, who will help all of us better understand how to adopt a sales mindset that can accelerate your success. We are so thrilled to welcome Merit Khan. As Linda said, she's the founder of Merit-Based Business, author of Myth Shift, Challenging the Truths that Sabotage Success, creator of the Merit Method for Sales Mastery, and writer, producer, performer of the one-woman inspirational comedy show, Book of Merit. She is a featured expert on the Sales Experts Channel and co-hosts the Smarter Sales Show podcast with Julie Holmes to give listeners the tech and technique to sell more and stress less. For more than 20 years, Merit has worked with entrepreneurs and business professionals who sell high-end custom solutions in a highly competitive marketplace with a consultative sales approach. Not only can she tell you what to say to move the deal through the process, she'll make sure you're consistent with your revenue driving actions and that you have a strong sales mindset as your foundation. Oh, and she'll make you laugh all the way to the bank. She's worked with thousands of clients across multiple industries from mining, mining and professional services to pest control and plumbing. But her goal for clients is always the same, grow sales and influence. She is certified in emotional intelligence and earned the highest designation in the National Speakers Association, one held only by less than 12% of professional speakers worldwide. And when she's not helping professionals polish their business development skills, she's making audiences laugh out loud in her stand-up comedy performances. Merit, we are so thrilled to have you here today and so excited to get to know you. Woof, wow, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's really nice to be able to talk with entrepreneurial women, with professional women, with women leaders. Um, I love 
everything that I've learned from you guys about this uh, podcast uh, because you use the word unstoppable. And I think that stems really from having a mindset that will support you in all of the roles that we play as leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs. So I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to be with you guys today. It's going to be so much fun. So as we get started, tell us a little bit about your journey. What has led you to have such a passion around adopting a sales mindset that accelerates success? Absolutely. So I started my career, I studied advertising and communications in college. I actually went into the field that I studied after college, which is so unusual, I think, these days. Um, but I worked in radio advertising sales. And my parents instilled in me a belief that you always dress and train for your next job. So while I was early in my career is in sales, I was putting myself through sales management training. Um, and it was obviously because of that, that learning and development that I was investing in myself that I did become uh, one of the youngest sales managers in the Chicago um, radio industry. And that's the third largest market in the country. Um, it was in that experience that I put all of my sales team through sales training at the same organization that I got my training. And a funny thing happened. I recognized that as I was, you know, doing my day-to-day -day management job, I liked a lot of things about my role. And there were certain things that I didn't like about my role. Like I didn't really like everything that had to do with radio, <laughs> ratings and account, you know, like supervising the team and things like that. But what I loved was coaching and developing my sales force so that they could really maximize their own potential. And at some point, I just thought, I just looked around and thought, you know, I want more of that and less of this. So I joined forces with the organization that had trained me in sales. And the next thing I know, I'm selling sales training. And then to market the sales training business, I started speaking for free at business organizations and things. And then people started asking, well, how much do you charge to speak to our group? And I thought, I don't know, how much, what do you usually pay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this new revenue stream, this new area of my business developed, and I started getting paid for those programs. Um, and then I just leaned into more of that and became a, you know, more of a professional speaker and keynotes and training sessions. And here we are today. And now it's morphed again into more virtual training offers. So, you know, it's just constant development. But I think that that lesson that I got early from my parents about dressing and training for your next job has served me so well throughout my career and all the different iterations of it. I love that. And Merritt, one of the things that you noted in your early story is you were selling, but you were selling advertising. And so just to level set, how do you define the distinction between marketing and sales? What's the difference between advertising and sales? Yeah, great question, because marketing is really everything that leads up to a conversation. Once you're in a conversation, the sales process has begun. And I've seen so many people get this backwards. For example, you might um, be in a, let's say you're in a sales conversation. You've got somebody on the phone. They call you from uh, anything that you've done. You met them at a networking event. They, they were referred to you. And in that conversation, I've heard people say, well, 
why don't we do this? Why don't you go and check out my website? And then, you know, I'll follow up with you afterwards. No, that you're going backwards. The website is to drive people to having a conversation with you, unless you sell, you know, widgets for 10 cents less than someone else sells widgets. And those aren't really my people anyway. But, you know, it's all about getting to the conversation. So don't go backwards. <laughs> don't, don't go back to, well, I'll just put you on my list so that, you know, I can nurture you so that we can get to a conversation, which is kind of where we already are. So my coaching, you know, for people is to say, you know, I'd be happy to share my website and there's lots of different offers on there and different information things, but it's kind of designed for you and I to have a conversation. And since we're having a conversation, why don't we just go from here? And that's a much better way to handle it. That makes so much sense. And so when you talked earlier about a sales mindset, you know, coach us through what is that? And like, why does it matter? And how do you know if you have a mindset that's going to help you or hurt you in the sales process? Yeah, a sales mindset is really three distinct parts. So the, there's the internal mind. That's what I, what, what we say to ourselves. Okay. It's, you know, I'm worth a lot of this much money or, you know, um, I can't call on presidents like, Ooh, I get intimidated. It's, it's the beliefs that we have about money, about decision makers, about our own self-worth, all of that. Then there's the um, behavioral mindset, and that is what our actions and behaviors say to other people. So whether I'm aggressive or bottom line or I'm a people person, it's kind of how we're wired. And you've probably heard of, you know, behavioral personality profiles and things like that. And that teaches us a lot about our, our behavioral mindset. And then there's what I think is the most important piece of the puzzle, and that's the emotional mindset. And that is how well we understand our own emotions and the impact we have on other people. So, for example, you're um, a salesperson and you are calling on somebody who is having a really bad day or you're a leader in an organization. You walk in the office, you're in a bad mood, and suddenly it gets it's all over everybody. Right. So we need to understand, especially as leaders, the the impact of our own emotions on other people, um, especially as leaders and especially in a sales role, because people want to do business with the people that they like. We've heard that for years. People like people who are like them, but we also want there's an energy about it. And I think women, you know, if I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, I think women get that a lot more than some of the men that I've worked with over the course of my career. And, and that's why I just, I, I feel like a broken record sometimes, but I really believe strongly in the importance of really understanding your emotional mindset, your emotional intelligence as a, as a foundation of who you are and how you show up as a leader. Yeah, so important. And I love how you break down mindset into really three components of a whole, which is a really brilliant way of thinking about mindset. It's not one thing. It really is the amalgamation of three different levels of mindset. And so when you think about that, what do you think is the most important aspect to being really successful? Is it mindset? Is it skill? Or is it action? You know, I, uh, I like to ask that question to my audiences and whether I'm 
I'm keynoting to thousands of people or I'm leading a training for, for a company's sales team and there's 10 people in the room. It's interesting because the ratio is always the same. So majority of people will say mindset. I will get a few hands for um, the, the mechanics of selling the skills. And then there'll be some votes for action plans and behaviors and things. And it's really a trick question because obviously all three of those are important. Like I could have a gung-ho, can-do attitude. But honestly, if I if I don't have a good, you know, uh, 60 second commercial elevator pitch, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, statement of, of what I do, I can't answer that question clearly. All my enthusiasm is not really going to land. Or if I've got great skills and a great attitude, but I'm not picking up the phone, I'm not going out to meet anyone, I'm not doing any campaigns to market the business, well, then you're the best kept secret in town. And that's kind of stupid. So all of them are important. But what what I have seen over the course of my 20 plus years of sales training, coaching, consulting, speaking, writing, et cetera, is that skills and, and actions rest on that foundation of mindset. And so if there's a, a gap, um, for example, I, I like to hold up my hand and kind of spread my fingers out and just talk about like, if, if the fingers are together and that's a, that represents a strong you know, grounded, solid mindset that supports you, then the skills and action plans are right on the top where you can access them and use them. If there are gaps, much like a crack in the foundation of a house, if there are gaps in the mindset, then the skills and action plan uh, that and action plans that you might have learned or, you know, created kind of fall through those gaps. And they're so far away from you, it's hard to access them in that moment when you need that thing that you learn to say in a training class. And I think that's really, you know, kind of sums up why mindset is always the key ingredient. Now, some people, you, some people need to work on that first so that they can then improve you know, believe in themselves and, and, and bump, pump themselves up to be able to train for skills and create good action plans. And other times our mindset is, is improved because our focus is on following a consistent action plan, getting ourselves in training and coaching, learning and improving on our skills. And that helps to improve the mindset. So I guess what I want is your listeners to your audience to really understand is it doesn't really matter which area you start in, but focus, make one of those your focus, mindset, the mechanics of skill of selling or uh, a good solid action plan. And whatever you choose as your focus allow that to inform and improve the other areas. That makes total sense, Merit. A minute ago, I just want to jump back to that. You talked about emotional intelligence and how critical that was to really, you know, framing your mindset and moving through the sales process. So how can understanding your own emotional intelligence or understanding emotional intelligence as a whole help people in sales or sales professionals and, and business owners kind of advance their business? Yeah, this was a fascinating thing. I, I really jumped on the emotional intelligence bandwagon back in 2008. And I can remember distinctly like it was yesterday. I had two guys in my training class. They both worked for the same company. They were hired at the same time 
to sell the same products and services at the same price points in the same territory. These guys even looked alike. I mean, it was like same, 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 right? Like across the board, same. And they came and sat in my training classes and they sat right next to each other. So they were literally learning the same thing. It was like a great case study. Well, Stephen was amazing. He he immediately implemented everything that he learned and his sales results went sky high. And I was like, woohoo, look at me, right? I'm I am awesome. And then Daniel, uh, his colleague, learned the same stuff, but he wasn't implementing. And it frustrated me because I wasn't able to celebrate contributing to Steven's success if I didn't also take responsibility for Daniel's like complacency. And so I had to look a little bit beyond, you know, what was it that I was teaching? So what that kind of triggered that it wasn't just mechanics and it wasn't just action plans. There had to be something else. That was what started my deep dive search. And when I uh, did an emotional intelligence assessment on both of them, the distinction couldn't be more clear. Stephen's uh, levels of self-regard and optimism, um, independence, assertiveness, um, and self-actualization, that was the other one, they were so much higher than Daniel's. And, you know, the emotional intelligence is not a test you can game. And so I could look at those levels and that painted the picture for me why he was utilizing what he, he'd learned, Stephen, better than Daniel, because there were some fundamental mindset shifts that Daniel needed to work on and raise up for him to have the confidence in using those skills that he, that he was learning. And so um, I, I became a huge believer, got certified back in 2008 with emotional intelligence, and I've seen it make an incredible difference. Because when you understand that, that kind of wiring about yourself, it just fast tracks everything. You, you understand, and, and as a coach, I've been better able to tweak how I coach people because I can look at, you know, the two of you might have very different emotional intelligence profiles. And so I'm going to teach you skills based on how you're individually wired. Because as an, as a quick example, um, if, uh, if, um, if you're not strong as uh, in reality check and you are super strong in optimism, well, I got to teach you questioning skills in a way that is going to honor your high level of optimism and help raise your reality check because you're going to sit there and hear what you want to hear on a sales call. And I still need to teach you to use the questions that you've learned to ask in training. Does that make sense? really does. That's just so insightful. And, you know, you talked about some of the attributes between Stephen and Daniel that differentiated them in terms of emotional intelligence. You talked about things like self-actualization and positivity. And so I want to ask, what do you feel like are the most important emotional intelligence attributes for really successful, incredibly strong salespeople? You mentioned a couple of the differences between Daniel and Stephen, but what's the full range of a really successful sales leader? Well, a little bit of that is going to be dependent on the the type of uh, sale that you are invite that you engage in, right? So, 
the level of decision maker. So there might be some slight nuances, whether you're in sort of a general sales role or a very specific high level, more consultative sales role. But in general, um, the organization that I have my certification with is called Multi-Health Systems. They're out of Toronto, Canada, and of all the different uh, assessment tests and, and books and things out there on this topic, they have the most scientifically validated assessment tool available worldwide, and they're, they're a global company. Um, so there's a book that they put out a number of years ago. It's called the EQ Edge. And in that book, it actually lists out, you know, these are the top five for a lot of different um, types of disciplines, types of roles. So for sales, the top five in general are going to be self-actualization, which is kind of, I believe that I'm, I'm, I'm good right now, but I also believe I have greater potential. Um, self-regard, I, I have confidence in my own abilities. Um, I basically see myself as good, that's self-regard. Independence is, um, I can rely on my own independent thought and, and ideas. I can act independently of others, that's important for sales. And also optimism, right? You gotta see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you got to see things turning out. And then also assertiveness, which is different from being aggressive. Assertive is being able to say what needs to be said in a way that honors uh, and respects the other people that you're in a communication with. Um, I would just add to that that lately, I mean, we're we're having this discussion in November 2020, and obviously we've we've just been through months and months, almost a year now of the COVID experience. And that has really taken a toll on people now more than ever, understanding your own emotions as it relates to everything that we've got going on. Because when we're triggered emotionally, we are more of who we really are naturally wired as, um, as opposed to the, the things we try to be in the, you know, being, uh, being good in other ways. So when there's pressure, we revert to how we're naturally wired. And, I would add that what I have seen lately is that the most successful leaders and sales professionals, professionals in other areas, have balanced out a level of empathy and assertiveness. So what that sounds like in real life is um, I might say to somebody, we're, we're, you know, in January of 2020, before the pandemic, I might have called you and said, Hey, are you open to having a conversation about growing your sales and, you know, better managing your sales teams? And you would say yes or no, right? But now I have to say, you know, it's kind of crazy with everything going on. It almost feels a little awkward to have a normal business conversation with all in light of everything that's happening. But are you open to it if we just put everything else to, to the wayside and just focus on something that we can control for just the next half an hour? And so that's balancing. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. I'm empathetic to life has changed for all of us. But also, if I know I have a solution that is ultimately could be a really good match for you, could really be helpful in helping you get through a tough time, I'm not doing you any favors by not asserting that we have a business conversation so that we can, so I can probably help you move out of that, you know uncertainty or or um, anxious uh, mindset. And so I think that's important. I love the way you frame that, Merritt, but I want to shift gears for just 
one minute. And um, in your book, Myth Shift, Challenging the Truths that Sabotage Success, you have a chapter that talks about the whole concept of redeciding. And this is really interesting. And I think I'm going to need to use this concept like a lot more in my daily life, especially my personal life. I think even with my kids, like, no, I'm redeciding. Can you explain what that means and why it's important to people, whether they run a business or they manage people or they're in sales? Yeah. So there's a negative stigma around not making decisions quickly and also flip-flopping, changing your mind. You know, we like to joke that it's the woman's prerogative to change her mind. Um, but if we're really honest about it, that can be interpreted and perceived as weakness. And I, I'm a proponent of making fast decisions, but fast and thoughtful decisions, right? But, but give yourself a defined period of time in which to collect and data and, and gather your information and, you know, canvas the, the landscape and see what's, you know, get the intel you need to make a decision and then make the decision and move forward with that. Now, a couple of things might happen at once you're in action, uh, moving forward with the decision that you've made, you may come up to new information that changes your decision. Uh, and since the, the, you know, pandemic is a globally, you know, uh, collective experience, this is a great example. Um, you know, you might have made a decision to do something in your business, to open up international, uh, you know, channels in your business. You might have made that decision in January of 2020. And then by March 14th, new information came into your experience that if you went ahead with that decision just by virtue of the fact that you have made that decision and you're going to stick to it no matter what, um, you might be having a hard time. However, if you say, you know, okay, well, in January, that decision made the most sense now that I've had a chance to really look at this new information that's come into my experience, I think a new decision would be the best course of action. So I'm going to redecide. And that language is very intentional because it, it gives you permission to feel grounded. So it's very distinct from, I changed my mind. Now we're going to go over here. And that doesn't feel good, especially if when I'm talking to leaders, it doesn't feel good for the people you're leading because they lack, they lose some confidence, but there's something that fundamentally is okay. It just lands better when you're deliberate with your language and you say, I've looked at the information and based on this new information, I have redecided my position. So now we're going to move forward with this. And when you say that, um, now people can really gather behind, you know, rally behind you. Um, you know, not to get into politics, but I think we're seeing that a lot in, you know, just because you are a lifelong ex doesn't mean you can't relook at the landscape and see that that party may no longer represent your values. And so people need to get comfortable with this idea of redeciding. And I, I redecide everything, <laughs> you know, like, or at least I give myself permission to, right? My marriage wasn't worked for a number of years. And then I woke up one day and it really wasn't working anymore. So I redecided it, right? 
called divorce. And I didn't make myself wrong or bad for it. I just redecided and based on the new information that I had experienced. And I think that's, I think that's really important, especially for women leaders. Yeah. And I love how you're framing it as giving yourself permission to redecide. I will tell you that the best leaders that I have ever known and ever followed are those that are constantly monitoring the marketplace and they are evaluating risk reward at all times in order to make the best, most informed decision in a, a very fast paced, evolutionary kind of market, right? So when you think about applying that to sales professionals and entrepreneurs, how do they need to perform and what do they need to know in order to consistently grow their business? We talked about redeciding, but what else? What else do top performing sales professionals or entrepreneurs need to know to consistently grow their business? Well, I, I think especially right now, there's a lot of redeciding that's happening around our goals, the way that our, our business models, the way that we interact with our clients and our prospects. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I can speak from my own experience. I mean, I've I've had a business model that's worked very successfully for me for more than 20 years. And all of a sudden, it didn't work anymore at all. And so I was actually, I found myself for the first time in decades in the same exact spot as the people that I was coaching and, you know, and, and the sales teams that I was training. And I just, I had to take a step back and go, wow, we're all redeciding our goals, the way we go to market, our messaging, how we deliver, how we interact. And so I think that what the top performers coming out of this experience will have done really well that everyone else will have missed the mark on is the opportunity to not only reset the action plans and and to retool i needed to learn i i built a whole video studio in my in my house you know i had to learn how to edit and you know and and shoot my own videos i needed lighting i mean i had to Right. I had to go back to I, I, I like to joke. I went back to like virtual. I got my virtual MBA. Right. You know, virtual business school. And I, I that was all redeciding my action plans, my skill sets. But it also was an opportunity to to do what I've been, you know, encouraging people to do for a long time, which is to kind of go, OK, check in. What is my mindset telling me right now? Is this going to support me and my business and my goals for the future? Because I still have pretty lofty goals and I intend to get there. Uh, but, you know, what do I need to to adjust? So I think it's it's a time first, more so than ever, to really get clear on that emotional mindset that is taken on all kinds of new levels of importance. Um, but but mostly that that foundation of of where what am I saying to myself right now? That makes so much sense. And so last question is really about your leadership advice to our listeners just in general. So Merritt, what's the one piece of leadership advice that has made the biggest impact on your success that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I am, uh, I do have a famous, a phrase that I'm famous for becoming, I don't know, famous, not famous, but you know, 
a legend in my own mind. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that is, are you open to? So how I would, would phrase that in terms of advice is um, I remember talking to a mentor once and I had, I may, may have kind of level set at a certain, like what I thought I was capable of. And she said to me, um, have you already decided that it's as good as it's going to get? Or are you open to the possibility that it could get even better? And that has stuck with me uh, for a years, years, more than 10 years easily. And I, every once in a while, I ask myself that. And I, I know for a fact, I ask my clients all the time, have you already decided it can't get any better? Or are you open to a new possibility? Because nobody doesn't want to be open. That's a great question. We should be asking ourselves that on a regular basis. But it's also a great question to ask the people that we lead in our organizations and also our prospective clients and customers, you know, because sometimes they need to be confronted with that question um, when they're happy with who they, they're working with or something else. And then it opens up the, the possibility of more and better. And so I, I like that as my, my contribution to that question. <laughs> that's, that's your final answer. That's my final answer. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> that was great. Wow. Yeah. That was so insightful. I just had an aha moment. So thank you. Yeah. So amazing, Merritt. Today was just awesome. We have all learned so much. I think you brought so much the conversation for our listeners and the topics that we can take away from today, ranging from understanding your EIQ to learning the attributes of successful salespeople to how to make it okay to redecide. Like I'm going to own that now for ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> um, you're funny. You're brilliant. You're lovely. Today was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me, ladies. This was fun. All right. Thank you, Merritt. And thank you to our Leadership Global audience for tuning in today. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.